Mine. Are are you the actual worst? No. Ah, no. <laughs> Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we wax poetic about books with pictures, one issue at a time. My name is Jessica Frazier, and I am joined by my co-host, the dog daddy himself, Mike Thompson. Hello. Hello, Mike. How you doing tonight? Well, you know, can't complain. How about you? How awesome. are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm okay. It's a Tuesday that feels like a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the kids had today off of school. And so it's that weird, frustrating thing where they don't have anything to do, but we have to work. Oh, no. Yeah, I hate Heaven it. Heaven forbid they keep themselves entertained. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm really glad to be out of the constant system of storms that we've been having going through the Bay Area. Oh my gosh. My whole house shakes back and forth when it's windy and it's been really windy. So, and you know, I sleep on the top of the house, which, you know, physics gets the most (laughs) action in the wind, if you know what I mean. So that's definitely not terrifying. My dog definitely isn't horrified when it's thunder and lightning outside. So that's also very fun. Yeah, it's been a fun couple of weeks. I don't have children, but I do have a dog that's scared of storms. (laughs) Dude, we had a thunderstorm this past weekend, and I think all three of our dogs had never heard thunder before, and it freaked them the fuck out. Yeah. Carl was impressed only in the sense that he had very much fear. (laughs) Yeah. So, well... If you are new to our show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries mini-episodes that we do in between those deep dives. We spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at local shops looking for interesting stuff. And while a lot of the issues we find are fun and weird, there may not be enough for us to do a deep dive on at the moment. But we always reserve the right to change our mind later. So, each episode will feature both of us talking about one random issue that we came across in the dollar bins. What it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. So, Mike, what did you bring to the table this week? (laughs) so let me start off by saying this is your fault oh i love when it starts off like that would love to hear why (laughs) yeah so i am doing a follow-up to the transformers versus terminator comic that i talked about in our last dollar bin discovery okay this time i am here to talk about the transformers back to the future comic that you got me (laughs) this was a book in the comics pile that you gave me when you, me, Sarah, and Noodle were like kind of just bouncing around Petaluma on New Year's Eve. And this was published in 2020 by IDW. It's written by Kavan Scott, penciled by Juan Samo, lettered by Neil Yutaki. 
colored by David Garcia Cruz and edited by David Marriott and Chase Moratz. So this book takes place basically right between the first two Back to the Future movies before taking a hard left turn. Essentially, there is a Decepticon named Rumble who is out scouting in Hill Valley on behalf of Megatron, trying to find things that they can use to defeat Optimus Prime. And he winds up at the Twin Pines Mall and watches Marty travel to 1955 and then return over the space of a couple of panels. So he's in communication with Megatron, who's suddenly super interested when he learns humans have developed some sort of technology that they could use in their war against the Autobots. At first, they think it might be teleportation tech, but then Soundwave examines the scene and detects temporal energy. So Megatron is like, get me that time travel tech. Daddy wants to cause some mayhem. (laughs) And, you know, and then things cut to Doc and Marty as Marty's getting dropped off at home and Rumble and Ravage, who Ravage is the panther who transforms into an audio cassette who is like real popular in the cartoon. They're waiting Mm -hmm. to ambush the humans. But then Bumblebee basically comes in out of nowhere and has this knockdown drag out fight in the background. Like, basically, it looks like they're just having this fight across the street and Marty and Doc are like completely oblivious. (laughs) Because Optimus Prime is like obsessed with not letting humans encounter aliens from Cybertron or something. I don't know. It's like, whatever, dude. Like, okay. What a way, what a way to shoehorn in the two, like have them like literally not interact at all. Oh, it's so funny. (laughs) It's so funny. Like, I can't even begin to describe it. But then Bumblebee saves the day in secret. Marty goes home and goes to sleep. And then he is woken up by his dad at like 5 a.m. because the whole family has to get to work. And it turns out that while Marty was asleep, the timeline shifted and Hill Valley is now part of this dystopian nightmare where the Decepticons conquered the Earth. Humanity is serving as slave labor, and Biff Tannen is serving as overseer of Hill Valley. Oh, no. And so Starscream shows up and yells at Biff for a minute. Like, basically, uh, you know, it's kind of like that thing where Darth Vader shows up in Return of the Jedi and is like, the Emperor is coming here, so you better double your efforts to get shit done with the new Death Star. And so Marty sees an opportunity to escape. He tries to get out of Dodge riding a skateboard that I think might also wind up being a transformer just based on its design. But for now it's a skateboard (laughs) and he is pursued by Starscream until the flying DeLorean that we all know from the second movie busts onto the scene and then rescues him. But then it turns out the DeLorean is another transformer who tells Marty that he needs his help to save the world. And I'm going to come out and say it. There's no reason this book should work as well as it does, but it's great. Like I, I loved all of that. It's so good. I, I was telling Sarah about it, and she was like really hesitant originally. She was sitting there going, no, I don't know, this sounds kind of dumb. I, and then I summed this, it up for her, and she went, this sounds good. This could make a cool movie. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. You know, like even the most casual fan of these properties is going to have fun with Scott's story. And Samu's art is really fun and dynamic, but it just, it feels like one of those mashups that's like the narrative equivalent of chocolate and peanut butter. It's just, these two properties are put together really well and it's really fun. And I'm definitely going to track down the rest of the series and probably some of the variant covers because they're great. I looked them up. So thank you for this. (laughs) 
I really legitimately instantly thought of you when I saw that. And I was just like, <laughs> yoink. <laughs> it slipped it into the pile that I, I honestly already had going for you. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a really fun pile to receive. And also if it's shiny, if it's shiny, it goes in the pile usually. Mm. <laughs> if it's 90s trash or just weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's me. What are you bringing to the table tonight? Well, this week I am bringing to you issue number one of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Armageddon Game, which was published by IDW in September of 2022. So it's a recent one. Okay. Written by Tom Waltz, art by Vincenzo Federici, colors by Matt Herms, letters by Sean Lee, editorial assistant was Nicolas Nino, and editor was Charles Beecham. Now, there was a prequel to this, and they did allude to it, like did one of those little asterisks, fun little editor's note situations. Uh, It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Armageddon game opening moves. But they did do a decent job of filling in most of the details to get the plot clear to the readers, just jumping in. Okay. So we start off with the Rat King, who comes upon his sister Akka and their other sleeping sister. They exchange challenging words, setting the reader up for the plot of the battle to see who can rule Earth. Mm. So this is a group of immortal siblings, and it includes others who are not pictured. So just to set the scene, the Shredder is now Orokusaki, and he's like a good guy now. I mean, kind of. They're just like teaming up because bigger bads, right? Yeah, okay. His granddaughter, Karai, is also still part of the Foot Clan, but the Turtles and Oroku Saki are actively working together to try to stop the evil machinations. Mikey, Leo, and Oroku Saki transport themselves to planet Neutrino to get help. Like, completely off-planet, loving this already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. While the others are tasked with dealing with things like there's an active situation with Mutant Town, which is very much feeling like a concentration camp. So General Krang is inside of a murderous mutant alligator who's actively trying to kill anyone in his path, as well as himself and Krang. (laughs) But he gets rescued by his lackeys because they like effectively hit the alligator with venom from a mutant scorpion and, like, knock them both out. And so, meanwhile, Mikey and Leo are trying to get assistance and are up there pleading their case with the king and queen and the princess on this other planet. Aruku Saki was detained just immediately upon arrival. Just like, (laughs) he's like, (laughs) bye. (laughs) They're like, we know who you are. Like, why are you here? Here's a prison cell. We'll let you out when you leave, I guess. Um, (laughs) So back to the Rat King, because Krang got taken there. And they get a mean-looking doctor with, like, this, like, stretched-out sewn-on face to, like, help him out with, like, getting him out of this alligator thing. (laughs) Helping him with the Venom situation. So Ralph and Jenny, because there's a Ninja Turtle named Jenny now, who has a yellow headband. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. This was like... I do not. (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, there have been a couple of female turtles. There was one from the live action series that was like really controversial. Venus, right? Yes. Yeah. I I think... I can't... I do not recall the name, so I'm going to trust you. 
but I do remember that. Um, I did not know about yeah. this one, but I also really have not caught up with this side of things other than, yeah. The lore of the Ninja Turtles is so deep and convoluted, and I have such a surface level understanding of it. So like I, I mean, like you mentioned the Rat King. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that dude. He was fun. No. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun, like they brought in a lot of really fun players that I did recognize, and you'll hear a few of them here uh, that I think you'll recognize too. So that was fun. I mean, the readers, even myself, who, you know, much like you, I mean, I probably read them a little bit more than you do, just because I do really enjoy yeah. them. But I haven't read a lot of the newer stuff. I'm trying, I was getting kind of back into the older stuff and reading up back, but I really haven't ventured super far into the future. So I've been trying to pick up more and more just kind of random issues to kind of see where we're at every once in a while. So yeah, so this was super fun. So Jenny and Raph and another mutant are trying to find other people to help, including trying to get Herman the Hermit Crab to tell them where old hob is and you know you know i love old hob <laughs> old hob is like the cat right yes yeah we yeah. talked about that we talked about him way back in episode 11 which was our kind of like history of the ninja turtles comics evolution yeah it was real early because i just had to talk about those turtles for early on we did a couple episodes because guys i love them <laughs> So they get a lead on old Hob, but he doesn't show up this issue. So womp womp. Back on Neutrino, we get the backstory about how basically the king is like, we can't help because we have a truce with the Krang people. <laughs> so they effectively right. tell the turtles that they're SOL. But wait, you know, I don't know, completely unrelated. We have these two guards who like have some leave time. You know, yeah, the, they could come okay. with you. <laughs> so now refresh my memory, though. The neutrinos are they're like the weird kind of like greaser space elves, right? Yes, they are. OK, and so and greaser space elf is like very well describing the dude <laughs> who I also want to cosplay because he's got this big slicked up like geometric Johnny Bravo kind yeah, of it, hairstyle. It's kind of a pompadour. <laughs> It's very much kind of a pompadour with like extra edges. Yeah. It's very fun. Oh, and he's got elf ears and I love that. And like tiny sunglasses, tiny diamond sunglasses just in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's fantastic. <laughs> Be funny to like play him as a turtle, like him as a ninja turtle. That'd be a fun <laughs> cosplay, actually. A little mashup. How obscure. Anyway. <laughs> so back on earth baxter stockman there's another name you might recognize i do i think he was played by tyler perry in the new movies too wasn't he oh, i do not know that i did not watch the new movies oh they're trash they're they're absolute trash not. no like... that's why i could not i didn't want to hurt my heart like i love the turtles and i didn't want it to affect my love of them so i decided against it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in the second one. He played Baxter Stockman, and I willingly watched that movie because I thought it might be okay because they got like Vanilla Ice to show up at the premiere and sing uh, Go Ninja Go. Yes. And they had, you know, it, it, they had Krang, they had it getting real weird, and they had Bebop <laughs> and Rocksteady, and I'm like, yeah, all right, fine. And Stephen Amell, who I like as an actor, is Casey Jones. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll check this out. 
No, it's trash. It's garbage. No. Yeah, you, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Because, like, yeah, that sounds like a great lineup. Like, it's better than the, the first one, but that doesn't say a lot. Yeah, well, <laughs> also, yes. So, yeah, back on Earth, Baxter Stockman, he's making a very propagandized speech, which is crashed by what looks like four turtles carrying the classic four set of weapons. But their faces are covered and they're not wearing their normal colored masks. So do keep that in mind. Mm. So we leave the issue with the quote unquote turtles holding Stockman with a sword at his throat. All right. It's so good. Well, the other thing you need to consider, too, is that this is at a point when two of those turtles that would normally be wielding those classic weapons are on a different planet. Hmm. Okay. So keep that in mind. So, yeah, it was really good. I, I really enjoyed this. The art was fantastic. Federici did such a nice job on the different animal mutants. And, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the way that they play with the mutant characters and the different animals. And I thought he did a really nice job. The cover was cool, too. And I just happened to pick up the alternate cover, which was done by Kevin Eastman. So it's got that classic TMNT vibe to it, which, again, that's great. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to go check out the series. I want to go back to the first, like, kind of overture one that I found out about. But, yeah, I think it's cool. So, yeah, Turtle Power. Nice. So I think it's really funny that you and I do not talk about what we're bringing into each episode for these. And we both picked comics that were exclusively 1980s properties. Yes, that is that's a very good point. Like, that's 1980s very funny. cartoon properties for the most part. I mean, even Back to the Future had a cartoon, but I think that was the 90s. That's very funny. How how thematic of us. <laughs> we and you know and it's this is even the first time we've done this and it probably probably won't even be the last mike probably not knowing us <laughs> well thank you everyone for joining us we will be doing an in-depth episode next week who knows what it's going to be about we record a bunch of these at a time but at any rate we will see you next week and until then we will see you in the stacks Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Fraser and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and Jessica Fraser, and edited by Mike Thompson and Jessica Fraser. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who's at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is tencenttakes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica with a, and Jessica is spelled with a K. And Mike is Vansau, V-A-N-S-A-U. We're also on Hive, Mastodon, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. The complete list is in the show notes. 
If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop.